All right, so after a promising performance to open the uh, post-Olympic breaks portion of the Rangers schedule to take them down the home stretch, they come out with back-to-back losses on Saturday and Sunday against the Flyers and the Bruins. And to talk to me today about the state of the Rangers is Kevin Delory of the New York Rangers blog. You can check him out at nyrangersblog.com. Kevin, how's it going today? Good, man. How you doing, Neil? I'm doing all right. You know, after the 2-1 to win the other night, uh, coming out of the break on Thursday night, without Lundqvist in net, with Talbot in net, um, granted they almost blew it in the last 11 seconds, but it sort of gave me hope and promise for what was to come down the stretch here over the last 23 games, and now since then I couldn't have a worse feeling about this team. Yeah, you have to wonder if that first game coming out of the break against the Blackhawks, who had 10 guys in the Olympics, may have been a little bit of a mirage there because... You know, again, they had all those guys over in Sochi. Now they're in New York. They're still not in their beds. And, you know, coming off the break, you just don't know how a team is going to react. And, you know, maybe they just got a flat Blackhawks team. And, you know, that win isn't as big of a win as you might think it was at the time. Because, yeah, they pretty much got manhandled against the Flyers and and Bruins. And and the most concerning part, and what's been... You know, a problem with this team all year is, is, is stepping up or matching um, a team that's physical with them, you know, the pushback. They don't seem to have it. They don't have that sort of uh, resiliency with, with when a team gets a, you know, sort of pushing them around a little bit. They don't have that guy to push back. Or if they do, that person isn't doing it. You know, you saw like a Carcillo where you would hope maybe he'd step up, but, you know, he, he backed away and I criticized him a little bit. Um, you know, it's Thornton went after him. He sort of did the fake sort of Sean Avery, I'm going to fight, but then he didn't. So, um, yeah, you worry that they don't have that toughness that you're going to need in the playoffs. So it's a concern. Well, the Bruins seem to have their number now. The, all, the whole season series is over. They lost all three games to them. Uh, last night, they get off to the to the early start on Sunday night uh, with the JT Miller goal on the breakaway. And uh, they dominated the first period. I mean, the shots, they had 20 shots in the first period. You, you play that out over three periods, you'd think they get 60. But the Bruins were able to sort of weather the storm. And, and after the first period, went to the locker room, tied 1-1, one to one, and they came out. And since the start of the second period, the Rangers just looked like a completely different team. They didn't control the play. Um, They made sloppy decisions inside the defensive zone, especially in the slot where guys just weren't picking up people. And uh, the team that you saw in the first period sort of gave me a little promise that maybe the Flyers game was sort of a letdown, but that they turned it around. And then after the last 40 minutes against the Bruins, it was just a disaster. Yeah, the one play I, I pointed to on my blog today, actually, that I thought really turned the game around was and it didn't seem like a big play at the time, but you know, again, the Rangers were were back and forth, um, up and down, odd man rushes, you know, stretch passes through the neutral zone, really, really uh, taking it to the Bruins. But then again, I you know what? I think it looked like he had enough, and he started a little bit of a scrum with with Stall on the side of the net, and I really think that fired him up, fired the team up a bit, you know, saying, you know what? Let's let's start pushing these guys around because not. You know, less than a minute later, you saw Lucic go in the corner with Girardi and Miller, you know, outwork them for the puck. Puck goes back to a good, good tie game. And, and like you said, it, it was a different game from then on. The Rangers were not the same team. Um, they were on, uh, you know, sort of defense the whole game. They, in the beginning, they were on offense. They were taking it to the Bruins on back. They were reacting more than being proactive. So uh, I really think that that play turned the game around. And, you know, the Rangers' defense is sort of uh, – been, has bolstered them to sort of a resurgence this season. Obviously, they struggled early, but 
starting at the end of December, their defense really picked it up, and it's really, uh, you know, brought them almost to the top of the Atlantic. Obviously, they're not going to take over the Penguins, but they brought them into the second place. It's really been behind their defense and, and Lundqvist, who stepped up his game as well. But like you said, their defense was really poor against the Bruins. They lost position on guys in front, or they just lost their man completely. So, again, that's sort of that being at work, being pushed around, um, you know, not having that physical nature on defense. That's a big thing that the Rangers have been missing, you know, forever. You know, since, uh, you know, Ulf Samuelson is now behind the bench. I don't think since him, since Bukaboom, they really had that that physical presence. You know, they have some tough guys back there. McDonough's a tough guy. Girardi's a tough guy, you know, as far as blocking shots. But when the game gets real physical, you know, a guy like Girardi sort of disappears out there. You know, Stahl isn't, you know, that big, imposing, physical guy on defense. And, you know, they're really missing that guy. You hope Klein may have brought that. He hasn't brought as much as I would hope. He's been good, don't get me wrong. I think he's helped solidify the defense. You know, getting Delzato out there, they've been better. But, you know, they're really lacking that, that physical presence that you're going to need down the stretch and, and then into the playoffs. Well, you mentioned Girardi there, and he, he's coming off now signing the six-year deal, uh, $33 million going his way, and he couldn't have had a worse game to showcase uh, be earning that contract. He's out there for four of the Bruins' six goals. He's doing his uh, patent and Girardi snow angels on some of the goals, uh, getting caught in the corners there. I mean, I, I was sort of torn on, on the decision to sign him. I, I If they didn't and they decided to trade him, I would have been fine with that. If they sign him, I guess I'm fine with that only because the market's thin and people are locked up their defensemen so there's not going to be you know as much room to grow if, if you're trying to play it off the market rather than than lock up your own homegrown talent so I think I have to agree with the decision they made uh but yeah like he's just been bad for me since the end of the or at least going back to the Bruins series in the playoffs and this season he's sort of been lost hasn't been the guy he was the last two regular seasons um you know are you worried about this contract were you on board with them signing him I was on board with it. I think that if you can bring back a, a first pair shutdown defenseman who plays, you know, 20 plus minutes a night, 25 minutes a night, whatever, you know, you need to play him block shots, gets in front, you know, will put his body on the line. I think you need to bring him back because who are you replacing him with? Who are you bringing in? You know, I didn't really see anybody out there who, who they'd be able to replace him with. Now, do I like six years? No. I mean, again, because he's throwing himself in, in front of so many shots to block shots and, 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 uh, you know, using his body and being physical, uh, you know, behind the net and, and whatnot, you know, you worry about how long a guy like that will last. But, uh, I like the move to bring him back. You know, sometimes you gotta, you know, give a guy an extra year to, to keep him on, you know, you don't like it, but uh, I am, you know, in favor of him, you know, being on board. Again, uh, you know, I don't really think they had much of a choice. You look around, who would they have replaced him with if they ended up trading him? Who could they have brought in? I don't think they would have brought in another NHL-level defenseman. And if they really think they have a chance this year, you know, that really hurts them, I think, if you're going to be down, um, you know, uh, if you're going to lose a top-pair defenseman for the rest of the season, you're almost... You know, I don't want to put too much emphasis that Girardi, you know, if you get rid of Girardi, the whole team falls apart. But, again, that defensive unit minus, you know, this Bruins game has been very good. You hate to, to lose some of that chemistry they might have with Girardi in there. So I was happy with the move. Listen, he's a homegrown guy. You always like to have the homegrown guys stay with you for as long as possible um, over bringing in, you know, another high-priced guy that never seems to work out for the Rangers. So, yeah, I like it. Well, you mentioned homegrown guys, and obviously the Ryan Callahan situation is still looming now, uh, just 
hours, I guess we could start calling it hours away from the trade deadline. And uh, it seems like over the weekend, the Rangers got closer. He came down in his demands uh, from just being astronomical to somewhat reasonable. Still, if the Rangers get him, they're probably going to have to overpay for him um, and give him money of a guy who's who's more of a you know 30 five maybe even 40 goal score type rather than a guy who's 20 25 max but because he's homegrown because he's a captain uh because of what he's brought to the table since coming up with the rangers it seems like they're gonna overpay for him do you think right now um you know as this thing winds down he's gonna remain with the rangers i do i I mean from the beginning i've i've said i thought he was gonna ultimately end up with the rangers you know, you just don't see a team trading their, you know, the Rangers trading their captain. You know, I, that happens with maybe teams that aren't in the playoffs, just looking to get rid of them to bring in some prospects and whatnot. You know, this is the Rangers. They're they're never in rebuild mode. You know, they're going to retool, and they always seem to want to keep their guys around. You never see the Rangers lose, you know, someone outbidding the Rangers for one of their guys or losing one of their better guys. So, Again, I, I, you know, I think if they would have gotten rid of Callahan for, you know, a pick and a prospect, I mean, what does that mean? What, what kind of message does that send to the rest of the team? Are you giving up on this year? Again, similar to Girardi, I don't think losing Callahan would completely destroy the season. But, you know, what does that do to the locker room? Your captain is gone in the middle of a playoff race, you know. And, and again, there's a lot more that goes with it when you're signing somebody maybe long-term. And I agree, I mean the dollar amount in the terms that Callahan is asking for is completely ridiculous because the money he's asking for is for, you know, elite talent. I mean, this guy is a third-line, you know, second-line cops-type player, and you love the heart and soul and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm happy to see his demands coming down. But I tell you what, if he gets paid a penny more than $6 million, which to me is too much to begin with, but he is completely fleeced saver on this one so you know more power to him listen he's a you know unrestricted free agent and he could try to get as much money as he can and i think he used buffalo as as leverage because i i I think they're the team that was willing to to maybe go that seventh year and maybe pay him close to seven million so um i think he used that to his advantage and you know i think ultimately he will sign and and see will pay a little bit more which you know, in in the cap era of the NHL, that's going to hurt at some point where maybe the Rangers can't get add a couple of extra hundred thousand dollars to a to a salary or bring in a guy because they can't fit him under the cap because of that. But you know, you, I think you gotta you, you gotta bring him back. I'll be happy to have him back. And the one thing that bothers me about the whole thing is, you know, this guy Callahan, he gives it all. He lays it all on the line. He bleeds blue. You know, heart and soul type guy. And it really bothers me to see all the. Sort of hatred, not I want to say hatred, but you know, criticisms from Ranger fans on this guy. This guy has done nothing but want to win for this team. This is the captain, again, homegrown guy, which you always love to see come through the system, become captain. Um, you know, and I'd love for one day to see this guy raising the Stanley Cup. So, you know, that's my big reason for really wanting him back for that. You know, that homegrown guy again. You know, captain. You know, it, to me, that's just. That's just awesome, you know, from the range. You don't see that very often. You don't see the big, high-priced guys coming in. So, I, I, again, I, I always love the homegrown guys. So, uh, I, I really do hope he comes back. You mentioned the negati- negativity surrounding him, and you never really expected it to get to this point where um, people would act that way towards him being who he is and being the captain, heart and soul type guy. And the thing with this whole thing is that, when you look at it, I mean, there seems to be no fans or no Rangers fans on his side in this. No one's like, you know, they should just give him the money. They should just do it. I think everyone pretty much thinks that his demands are over the top. Yeah, it, it is funny when when you when the 
report came out that he was looking for $6.75 million. I didn't see one range of fans say, yeah, he deserves that. <laughs> Not one. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, and I say the hate and I hate seeing it. He's brought a lot of it on his himself. Um, but, again, you know, you can't criticize a guy for trying to get paid. I mean, he's been with the Rangers from the beginning, and he's seen bad contract after bad contract. He's seen Drury, who's a very similar player than he he is, you know, getting $7 million. He's seen Gomez get ridiculous money, Redden. So, you know, he's like, well, why can't I get that money? Look Look at the team I'm on. Look at the history this team has as far as giving out these big contracts. Look at the money that Brad Richards got, you know. Um, so, you know, he sees that. You know, why would he take any less? He he in a position where he could probably demand more. And you know what? It looks like he's probably going to get it. But you know, more power to him, I guess. I think you bring up a great point there, and it's actually going to be my next point that it just seems ridiculous that Glenn Sather and the Rangers decide that this is the guy they're going to put their foot down with. And you know, they've moved the line and drawn the line to say and moved it over and over again throughout the years since he's taken over what fourteen years ago and just signed you know over the hill veterans, uh, free agents, bad free agent signings, and now it's, it comes down to their captain, and this is the guy they're 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 sticking to their guns with. And it sort of reminds me of the Yankees because they do this all the time where they'll overpay for other people's talent, but they don't want to pay their own. Yeah, and that's a Sather trademark as well. I mean, he's such a, and he does a great job with it too. He does it with the restricted free agents. You see the issues that you know how long it took and the nickel and diamond he was doing with Dubinsky. He did it with Delzato. He did it with Stepan. So you know he knows how to negotiate. He's you know obviously he's been around and he should be criticized for you know <laughs> what he's done or what he hasn't done with the Rangers. But the guy you know he knows how to negotiate a contract with his own guys and get a blast. I mean the contract he ended up getting getting with McDonough is ridiculous. That's one of the, you know, great, you know, steals or bargains, you know, in the NHL right now, what he has in for. So, um, you know, he does a good job with that. Um, yeah, you, you hate to see it. You hate to see him play the hard ball with, with his own. But, you know, I think most teams do it. Um, but with the Rangers, with, you know, we both mentioned the history they have of just basically opening the vault for anyone and everyone and anyone who's at the top of, you know, free agent, big money guy. You know, you really do hate to see him nickel and dive, you know, a guy like Callahan. And then, you know, he gets away with it. Like you said, I mean, you, all of the venom right now is at Callahan. None of it is at Sather for doing this to our homegrown captain. So <laughs> it, it, he seems to get away. I mean, everybody who's on Sather's side, but step on negotiations. I, you know, most people will say they're on the Lundqvist negotiation. So he he somehow gets gets the fans on his side. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I guess he, you know, it's the same trick he pulls with Dolan that he has a job for this long. Well, with Sather, I was considering this to be, and it still is since nothing's happened yet, the most significant move he's made as Rangers GM, only because now he's getting up there in age, uh, he's been here for so long, and pretty much nothing has gone right for the Rangers except for the last couple of years, and they still don't have you know the Stanley Cup Finals appearance, which is what everyone's looking for. And to me, this move sort of determines what happens here, because given the contracts of Nash and Richards, guys like that, and now Lundquist uh, you know, on the other side of 30, and he's only got a couple years at his, left of his 
prime, and he's still got now this huge extension. Girardi's sort of in, in, in his prime, in his stride now. It seems like this is their window right here, and if he were to get rid of Callahan and this thing spirals out of control, I think everyone would look back to this move. Um, but at the other end, you know, maybe he does sign Callahan, maybe things still don't work out. So I feel like this is maybe not, I don't know if biggest is the right word, most significant is the right word, but just this just seems to be like a monumental decision in Sailor's tenure. And when we look back at his legacy with the Rangers, I think we're going to pinpoint to what happens here. Yeah, and I think if he doesn't re-sign Callahan, it sends a real mixed message because of what you just said. Because you have Lundqvist in his prime, because he, he just re-signed Girardi, and you have Richard, who you just brought in, and Nash. I mean, what does that say? I mean, what are you getting back for Callahan at this point for a rental? I mean, you're probably not going to get as much as you might think. I mean, you may get a first-round pick, but again, that's for like a rebuild. So, you know, what what message does that, does that send to a team ready to go on a playoff uh, run to get in the playoffs and then beyond? So, yeah, I mean, that could really mess up chemistry, what goes on in the locker room, and, and ultimately save his legacy with the Rangers. Does that ultimately get him fired? Probably not. I mean, Dolan said he has a job for life. So <laughs> He's done know, a lot worse than hasn't gotten fired. That's exactly right. But, yeah, I think it is a big decision I, at this point. I mean, I just assumed, you know, with him re-signing McDonough, Longquist, you know, Stepan, and Girardi, like, wh- how and why, you know, would he not re-sign Callahan at this point? You bring everyone back but your captain. <laughs> and I understand a lot of that has to do with Callahan and what he's asking. But, you know, it would just it, it, it would seem wrong. It would seem, you know, again, a mixed message. You know, why Why does Callahan end up being the guy who doesn't come back? You know, it, it would be interesting to see what that would do to the dynamic of the team. I also think, like, with, with the sort of message you're sending, what are you telling these veteran guys, you know, who are looking to win or looking to win another time? And it just seems to me, like, if you don't get him, what is the real direction of this team? Because they're certainly not in rebuilding mode with some of the contracts they have, and they're not looking to unload them. And, uh, you know, so they're in the I, – I would assume, yeah, they're in the win-now mentality. They're not looking a few years down the road. They're looking at right now. And, and if the rest of the team is like that, I think you have to sign him and you have to bring him back because uh, th- this window is not going to last forever. Henrik Lundqvist isn't going to be himself for the next, you know, seven, eight years. Yeah, I agree. And I always thought that sort of Girardi and Callahan was sort of like a package deal. Like if you bring one back, you have to bring them both back. Or if you get like, you know, get rid of one, you have to get rid of both. Because, you know, if you keep both, you're going, if you keep one, you're going for it. So you might as well bring back the other. And if you trade one, that sort of seems as though you're looking to bring in some assets to rebuild or restock. So you might as well get rid of both of them. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a completely mixed message to the team, to the veterans and uh, on, on what Caesar wants to do. I, I think he has had to do one or the other with Girardi and, and Callahan, get rid of both of them or keep both of them. So I, I think ultimately, like I said before, he ends up keeping Callahan and uh, they go for it. Unfortunately, the terms are going to be, are going to be a lot. And I, and what's going to happen to Callahan, unfortunately, may be what happened to Drury. Whereas, you know, he gets this big money and he's just not going to live up to it because he, he can't. He, he, his skill set isn't enough to live up to that contract, whereas Drury's wasn't either. Drury was a product of, of the offense and the system that he was in in Buffalo. 
And then it came to the Rangers, and everyone expected him to score, you know, 35 to 40 goals, which was ridiculous. That's not the kind of player he was throughout his career before those two years in Buffalo. So, you know, I, I hate to see the Ranger fans sort of turn on him because they had venom towards him now in the in the negotiation. What's going to happen when he gets this six-year, six, you know, and a quarter million per year, and he's putting up 20, 25 goals that's in a year, 45, point, 45 to 50 points, a year, and the, maybe the Rangers aren't winning, they're not winning cups. I mean, this will be a disaster in two to three years. So, I mean, I, I hate to be gloom and doom here, but, uh, you know, I think Callahan has put himself in a tough spot. I mean, if you're asking for that money, you better perform. So he's going to have sort of a, a target on him with Ranger fans. Amazingly enough, I mean, this is a, a beloved player, and, uh, you know, these negotiations may have just sort of go to 180 in the minds of fans. I mean, it could really turn on them. I was looking earlier in the day uh, at just previous Rangers roster since Callahan's come up to look at players similar um, career, similar games played, similar goals, assists uh, over the last, you know, six, seven years. And uh, the two guys that are actually three that really had similar numbers to him are Nikolai Zhirdev, who's been in the KHL now for three or four years. Uh, Dubinsky, who's, you know, making four, whatever he's getting uh, with Columbus 4.2, maybe. And uh, Ryan Klo, who's now with the Devils, and he's making a little more than Dubinsky. So, I mean, the market for a guy with Callahan's skill set uh, and, and his production is really in the four, you know, four plus million dollar range. And he's trying to go two million over that. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, again, everyone, all, you know, Ranger fans are smart. They know, you know, obviously what type of player he is, how much, you know, he should be worth. But having said that, it's the market at the time you're available. It's the market that, you know, it's how much your team needs you that, you know, sets, you know, the market for you, you know, with your own team. So Callahan's taking advantage of it. I mean, even if he comes all the way down to six, I mean, to me, that's a huge steal for Callahan. I mean, that's a lot more money. I assumed, I mean, when you first look at it, like you had mentioned the salaries of, of the three, three guys, I mean, I was thinking, you know, five, you know, five and a half million per something like that. I mean, you know, for him to get six. Even that plus, would be a lot. Yeah, exactly. I, I, again, I figured maybe they'd have to overpay a little bit. But, you know, six plus for six years for, <laughs> for a guy who's injured almost every year. I mean, wow. I mean, that's it. Listen, uh, you know, every player in the NHL should want to sign Callahan's agent after that. And I bet you every GM is going to want to kill Saber <laughs> after that. I mean, you, you have guys like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane who are making like $7 million this year. We're going to be up for free agency in a couple of years. What are those guys going to be making? I mean, those guys would be making like 10 if Callahan's <laughs> making if Callahan's making six, I mean, goodness gracious. It almost seems like he has the perfect storm of events because of the market he's in, because of the player he's in, because of their situation where they're a playoff bubble team and people around here don't want to see a year go wasted. I mean, everything is working in his favor for him to get paid like this. It just seems like, you know, no, nobody else could be as lucky as he is. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think, and I mentioned it before, I think having Buffalo out there, sort of his, you know, quote-unquote hometown team, I mean, he's from Rochester, not Buffalo, but... You know, out there, they you know they are looking to rebuild, and you know who who better to rebuild around than Ryan Callahan from the area? You know, bring him in as the captain. You know, they got all these draft picks to bring in young guys, hardworking guy Teddy Nolan as your coach. So now, you know, his his agent's been using them, you know, to to drive up the prices. Well, fine, we'll leave. We'll we'll go to free agency. Trade us. You know, I know he'll get that on the market over the summer, and he probably will. 
he'll get more from Buffalo than from the Rangers. So, like you said, it's sort of like a perfect storm for him. But again, you know, you better watch what you wish for because, you know, you, as soon as you sign on the dotted line, it's time to produce. And I, again, I don't think that Callahan can produce up to his contract. No, that I don't type either. of contract. I don't either, and I think the biggest thing when you look at the money and the Mountie Watts comes down to the numbers. And, you know, this Rangers team since the Yager and Nylander Straka days a few years ago has had trouble scoring, and this year it seemed like they sort of found their way the, uh, after the bumpy start with the, with Vigneault's system. They sort of found a way to get secondary scoring in a way that they really didn't under Tortorella. Um, and now when you lose Zuccarello after the Olympics to being hurt um, and that first line there with Nash, uh, Kreider, and Stepans not producing the way they were when Nash was going through his hot streak it just seems like you know they're they're going to be at a loss here without Zuccarello making plays for the next couple weeks and if Callahan stays he's the guy you're going to look to to step up and fill in that void yeah absolutely yeah I mean again it, it the target will be right on him as soon as he signs that contract that he needs to that he needs to set up that he needs to step up and, and start scoring especially with Zuccarello um being out you know Nash is having a down year um, you know, the offense is, is, is going to need him to step up. And again, you know, the fans are going to expect it from him. And with this contract now, when it comes down to it, he signs with the Rangers, that's what you believe. What do you think the final numbers will look like? Yeah, I think it's going to be six years, probably $6.25 million per. I hate to say it. <laughs> that's but, a lot uh, of money. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think that they'll ultimately – you know, meet in the middle. You know, it seems like they're both, the Rangers are willing to go to that six year. Callahan is willing to go down to six years from seven. You know, Callahan was at six and three quarter million. Rangers are at six. And, you know, Callahan is, I guess, said to be down to, you know, a little under six and a half. So, you know, it sounds like they're about three, you know, 300 million, uh, 300,000 apart. I mean, I can't imagine that that's not going to get, you know, that that is going to keep them from re-signing $300,000. Um, so they'll probably meet in the middle, you know, 6.2 million. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely insane. I'm not saying I agree with it or like it, but you know, that's what I think ultimately he signs for. Um, I don't, I, I just don't see them trading, trading him again. I, I just, if they I say, like I said, if they resign Girardi, they're going to resign Callahan. I just don't see how they could do that. Well, the last time we talked, I just checked, was December fourth. So it's been basically three months, and uh, and over that time, you know, the Rangers have been hot. They've been cold, and going into the break, they were playing their best hockey really since the beginning of January. Um, I wasn't sure how they'd come out of the break, and and losing these last two games hurts, and and certainly hurts in the standings because now it drops them behind Philly in the Metropolitan with Washington. Uh, you know, right there, they got a huge win over Boston over the weekend. Uh, when we talked the last time, you know, we both thought that this was still the same Rangers, the first. First round possible second round post playoff team um you know anything after that would be extra do you still think they're that sort of team where a first round second round exit looks like inevitable i have actually changed a bit after what i've seen this team do over the course of the last 10 weeks or so you know I, they've been much better um they've been a lot more aggressive um, on the forecheck, they've gotten their speed going. They're, like I said earlier, they're sort of led by their defense, who has really shored themselves up with the client acquisition. Lundqvist, too, was obviously struggling mightily to start the season, has found his game again. And listen, if you have a hot Lundqvist um, and, and score some timely goals, you know, he could take you to a Stanley Cup final. So I, I do like 
them better than I did the last time we spoke. I think that they really gelled. I think the line of Broussard, Pouliot, and Zuccarello were, were outstanding. And are, are, you know, once Zuccarello comes back, or, you know, and over the course of the last 10 weeks or so, have been their top line um, and have been carrying them offensively. And I, I think they continue, will continue to do that when Zuccarello comes back. But JT Miller has stepped in. Um, you know, real nice there. So the two losses, you know, I don't like it. Like I said, they got pushed around. It shows their lack of toughness. But, I, you know, being in that metro, metropolitan division and the new playoff format, so, you know, if they stay out of the wild card, they're not going to see the Bruins the way the playoffs are set up until the conference finals. So, you know, now they're playing in the metropolitan division. The Penguins, and yes, the Penguins are great, but they have Flurry and goal, which is a huge question mark. And the Rangers actually played, you know, they beat the Penguins right before the break and they were able to skate, you know, against the Penguins. The Penguins aren't exactly, you know, a, a real physical team like the Bruins. I think the, the Rangers can really get their forechecking and, and skating game going against the Penguins. So they don't really scare me as much as you might think. I mean, again, I may <laughs> watch what you wish for with the Penguins, but you know, I think that they, I think that they can get out of it just because the Metro division is so bad. I mean, who else could they possibly play? The Flyers, yeah, they beat them. They manhandle them a bit. Again, I'll take Lundqvist over Mason every day of the week, and I think they'd be able to beat them in a seven-game series. You know, could play the Capitals again. The Rangers are the better team there. Um, you know, Columbus, Carolina, those teams, the Rangers can beat those teams. I'm not concerned about those. So I, I think just because of the division the they're in and the way the playoffs are set up, they, they're going to be away from, you know, the Bruins, who I, are the one team I'm very concerned about because I don't think they can match their physical nature. Um, so, yeah, I feel good. I do feel good about the team because they have been playing so well. I think that, you know, and it's amazing. And, you know, I, I, I'm definitely putting too much emphasis on this acquisition, but it's just a player I like. I, I put a lot of stock into the Carcillo acquisition. It's very similar to the Avery Act when they got Avery back in whatever year that was, 2007, 2006, whatever it was, um, and really sort of, you know, buyed them into a into a big playoff run and I, I for whatever reason I think he's given them a little more confidence some of the offensive guys a little more confidence to go out there and, and do their thing and, and know that someone's got their back not that Carcillo's been fighting all that much but you know just having that guy out there you know an agitator and someone to take some of the attention away from the skilled guys has, has really helped and he's really solidified that fourth line I mean Dorsett can't even get back in the lineup now because Carcillo's been so good he's shown he, he's actually probably a better hockey player than most people anticipated he he generates some offensive chances when he's out there he's gelled well with with Moore and Boyle so it's weird that an acquisition like that that you you know you really didn't think was much at the time just say they're picking up Carcillo to fill in for Dorsett when he got injured and it's sort of like giving gave them a jump because they went on a roll as soon as they picked him up. I, I don't think that's all that much of a coincidence. So I, I really like the four lines. They're real balanced. The defense is, is real nice, like I said, from, from Klein. And the biggest thing, and Vigneault said it the other day, he said the biggest reason for the turnaround is the goaltending. I mean, Lundqvist, and if Lundqvist isn't in there, Talbot is just as good, almost better sometimes. So, you know, I like the team right now. I, I am confident despite a tough weekend uh, for the Rangers. 
Well, I love the optimism there. And I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing with Carcillo is that he is actually a, a, an all-around player. I mean, people don't recognize it because they're used to seeing him, you know, running people in the in the corners and 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 crushing people from behind and stuff like that and dirty plays and you know misconducts. But I mean, he played on the line at times with Kane in Chicago, so you know he was trustworthy there. He can be trusted here, and he can put a few pucks in the net uh, pretty surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's gone on a Stanley Cup run. You know, he's been in, in a winning locker room. He knows what it takes to win. Now, he didn't, you know, it's not like he played every game during that Stanley Cup run, but he was there. He was part of that team. Um, you know, and he ran into some injuries, I think, when he was in L.A., which which sort of hurt him, and he's older now. When you get older, you get a little bit wiser. He knows he can't run around and be that idiot getting suspended and putting his team in a tough spot with penalty kills because he knows he won't play or or he'll be released and nobody, he won't, he'll be out of the game. So I think he plays a lot smarter now. He knows where that line is, and he knows not to step over it. I think I need him to step over it a little bit more than he has sometimes. Again, I thought this this weekend he disappointed me a bit, you know, where I felt as though his his toughness, his agitating style was needed a little bit more in these games against the Philadelphia and Boston. But, you know, I really like having him and that type of guy. That's the guy I felt that the Rangers have have been lacking the last two years when they lost the Dubinskys and the Prusts and, and those type of in-your-face type guys. So bringing him in has is, is really been a, a shot in the arm for the Rangers. I, I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> well, the other thing I actually, before I let you go, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, we didn't. I, I can't believe I didn't bring it up, was the if Callahan wasn't going to re-sign and get extended, was the possibility of him getting traded straight up for Martin St. Louis, which is sort of cooled off, but what were your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, it was interesting. Sort of came out of nowhere, you know, with with Boomer Esiason, sort of with his like cryptic tweets that he was uh, sending <laughs> out and got like everyone like insane. And it was funny because everybody came out and they were so quick to dismiss <laughs> Boomer on it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, this is real. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't put too much stock in it to be honest. I didn't get too excited because I I just didn't see how Tampa would be trading Martin St. Louis. I mean, these guys are, you know, towards the top of their division. In Again, a playoff hunt. The Stamkos is coming back. You know, this guy is, is the face of the Tampa Bay Lightning franchise, and they're going to trade him for Ryan Callahan? I mean, I just, see, I, I just didn't see the upside for Tampa. And I understand he was, whatever, upset about not making, you know, initially not being picked for the Olympic team, but... You know, I, I still didn't see how uh, Eisenman would be able to justify training. I mean, the PR hit they were taking down in Tampa, um, obviously they'd be losing a lot, you know, on the scoreboard, on the score sheet, you know, getting rid of a St. Louis in, in exchange for a Callahan. And, and what does that mean? I mean, you're bringing in a rental, and then a, a, you would probably need more from the Rangers to make that trade, so now you bring in a prospect. So what does that mean again? similar to what you're saying, getting rid of Callahan on the Rangers, what does that say to the Tampa Bay Lightning locker room that you're getting rid of Martin St. Louis? I mean, now what are we doing? Are we rebuilding? Or, you know, <laughs> what is going on? I understand he doesn't want to be here, but I mean, do you really think St. Louis is going to like cause a problem in the locker room or lay down and not try hard? And, you know, some people are worried about it, maybe it turning into a circus if you leave him there and, and whatnot. I, I think he's too much of a professional you know, the coaches have been through it. They know how to answer the tough questions. You know, you know, I'm here. I want to be here. Um, happy to be here. You know, that's it. End of story. So um, I, I didn't get 
overly excited about the whole thing because I just didn't see Tampa actually <laughs> doing it. It just didn't make sense for them. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks for joining me today, and you know, hopefully, uh, somebody or anybody gets to listen to this before Callahan uh, future determined. Because I remember the last time we did this, we it was all about Henrik Lundqvist, and then you know, about ten minutes later, he signs his extension. So hopefully, uh, it has a little longer shelf life this time. Yeah, just to, to show the credibility I have, I think on that show I was saying that the Rangers were probably going to trade Lundqvist at the trade deadline. So, <laughs> so <laughs> just shows you how much I know what the hell I'm talking yeah. about. So, <laughs> all right, Kevin. Thanks again. All right, buddy. See you later.